This is the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon and access the full-length version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcasts, all for the price of one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag. That's www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest today is Ian Galdi, who is the senior instructor at the Combat Academy School of Martial Arts in the United Kingdom. I first met Ian through a mutual friend, Paul McCarthy, who had brought him to visit, and Ian had come by the Innocento Academy of Martial Arts, where I got a chance to sit down and have a chat with him. He's a man of a large personality and big smile, and I'm sure you will enjoy hearing him in this podcast. So sit back and enjoy. All right, welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. I am Mal Mag's Tim Becker. And um, today I've got a guest all the way from the United Kingdom. And so we're going to learn some interesting things about history of sort of martial arts in the UK, at least as far as like Asian martial arts. Uh, or at least from maybe from the 80s on and uh, kind of what's going on there and and uh, some interesting things about martial arts in the United Kingdom and may I introduce Ian Golding. Hey Tim. So uh, um, I think I will instead of talking and telling everyone about you I figure it's probably better that you tell us about yourself. What do you you currently run a martial arts school in the UK? Yeah I do I'm I, I'm the senior instructor and owner of uh Combat Academy UK. Uh, we run uh, classes in jiu-jitsu, primarily jiu-jitsu-based uh, theory classes, but we have kickboxing and striking, and we we, we, we mix things up a little. Um, and we're with 30 years old on September the 4th this year, actually. Wow. So we've been around a long time. We're we're uh, we're, we're we're definitely survivors in the UK because it's quite a it's quite a big um, popular market in the UK at, at uh, for martial arts. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, we've been around a long time, and we're currently running at around about seven hundred members. We have uh, a lot of that's huge. Of it's big. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's huge. I, 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 I teach full time. I haven't always taught full time. Uh, full time. Um, in fact, I've I've done it a couple of times in my life, but I more, more recently went back four years ago uh, and started to um, to teach uh, full time. I, really because I had to because wow. the numbers were the fact that uh, you know I, I wasn't really I had the whole kind of job thing but um, I wasn't really doing one or the other I, at that time I felt much justice so yeah I just I went back to it but um, yeah we're busy and we're popular and uh, yeah it's, it's going well that's honest uh, so so what um what kind of job did you have in addition to that before well I was I was running a, 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 a an HR department, a human resources department for a local authority, which was Windsor and Maidenhead Council. Um, and I was responsible in the leisure department for about 140 staff. So, yeah, it was it was a proper job. But um, during that time, over the last few years, in that role and other, other jobs that I've done, um, I've always been running the classes alongside that, like I said, for 30 years. Um, so I had, I've always had a very busy busy life because I would be working during the day and I'd be doing the whole office 
thing and meetings and all that stuff that goes along with it. And then after work, I'd be tailing it over to the classes to, to teach the classes. So, um, yeah, I've always been sort of very busy in that way. Wow. So in, uh, I can say just from my experience in the United States, this, you know, we're kind of the entrepreneurial spirit kind of country, you know, and the idea of someone sort of opening up a martial arts school and that being what they do for a living would not be considered unusual in this country. What about UK? Is it unusual to have that as your primary, like the thing that you do that actually, you know, puts puts food on the table and pays the rent and that sort of thing? Well, I think it was when I when I started it. I mean, certainly in, in uh, 1989 when I started, um, there were very few, certainly in the area that I that I am, there were very few instructors that what one were teaching martial arts. We had uh, Neville Ray was a, a very prominent uh, Laogar instructor in the UK, and in my area there was kind of him and me. Um, so at that time, uh, most certainly it, it was. Um, but there's been since then a, a, a huge uh, explosion of, of martial arts clubs and organisations, and in particular the full-time schools. Mm -hmm. So it's very much like what you see here in the States and in, in, in LA in particular, you get the full-time martial arts academies. Mm -hmm. um, whereas at that time in England, it was very much about people were hiring areas, maybe in sports centres, leisure centres, community centres. And they still do that, uh, and they were sort of teaching just on a, like an hourly, uh, you know, on an hourly sort of day by day basis. Oh, it's like a special program, kind of like the YMCA yeah, would do here, right. or so yeah, you right. go in and you got all these things. Yeah, and then right. Karate is one thing you can do. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was, you know, back then that was, you know, a huge, uh, you know, the, the, the most way that it was done. But now there's a lot of full time schools um, where you're sort of going in and you're joining, and you, you know, pretty much uh, similar to the uh, Inosanto Academy, but perhaps. Slightly less heritage, um, <laughs> and they um, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of BJJ, and they, they're good. You know, they're good clubs, but they're run. Well, I guess what I'm saying is they run much more of a sort of commercial enterprise, mm -hmm. and that's um, that's that's been a big change in the UK. I think certainly in my in my area, you know, every town that you go to has has, uh, has got one that um, you know that you uh, you can sign up for that, that maybe will teach different styles. You know, so that's a, that's definitely a change in the last few years. Yeah. That's cool. So you mentioned BJJ, but you had also said that your club was primarily jiu-jitsu. So do you mean Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or are you talking about a different? Mm. Well, my, my, my history is in the Japanese-based stuff. So I had mm. a I had a, an Aikijitsu. Uh, the, the largest chunk of my training was Aikijitsu and Japanese uh, jiu-jitsu-based. I trained under uh, George Scarrett, Chris Scarf, Bill Cox, Brian Dossett, uh, Jeffrey Barmer, and a number of other guys uh, in the UK. So a large part of my training, I guess because I started so young as well. Mm -hmm. So like when I was, I started at the age of seven. Um, so sort of 1975, I had kind of two passions really. One was uh, aeroplanes and the other was martial arts. And I vividly remember being like so many guys my age, being hugely influenced by Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm because the movies and the things that his athletic ability and his aura and the things that he said and I remember being very heavily influenced by um, by, by Bruce Lee and the image of it but at the time really the public's perception of martial arts was kind of like Bruce Lee Kung Fu Judo that was that was kind mm -hmm. of it. it was quite a limited uh, sort of scope of, of, of what people knew about martial arts 
and I can remember um, my, my seventh birthday I wanted to go to Heathrow Airport because my folks in, we used to live in London quite quite close to the airport and I wanted to watch the, the planes land off and, and uh, take off and land uh, and part of the deal I think that day was that I was going to go to the airport and I was going to go to my local judo club so on my <laughs> my seventh birthday um, I went into uh, the judo but, club but what you have to do it sounds like two things you wanted to do but I know how parents work <laughs> yeah well the, you know what the truth the truth of it was that uh, I, I I don't think anyone's gonna 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 trust me with an airplane I think okay. I think that's where my parents are coming from we're not gonna we're not gonna trust him with an airplane but my, my mother's side of the family was a lot of boxers a lot of tracksuit ah. soldiers my, my grandfather in fact um, trained um, in the London area the very famous uh, boxer called Henry Cooper and he and he was uh, he was part of the sort of training for him so I, I always I always joke about it Tim and I, I tell people that my uh, my mum said that I had her good looks and she didn't want me to put me in a boxing ring so uh, it started with judo and, and went from there nice wow so uh, so it was primarily was it like Bruce Lee movies the, the media sort of thing that got you interested in martial art then or was there a a need you know because usually you, you you get a few stories in there somebody you know saw movies or TV and went oh that's what I want to do or you were getting picked on and there was a need or yeah I mean I, I I think I think at my age then it was just really the whole sort of cinema presence that he that he had that really inspired me to want to uh, to want to take up martial arts but having said that I still went through the phases uh, of a teenage lad where I was subject to the whole sort of bullying and mm -hmm. and uh, and like a lot of young men, you know, uh, I needed some guidance as well. You know, I had very good parents. I had a very good upbringing, but um, I had to have that sort of discipline in martial arts, which I think was very important for me personally, um, because certainly going through my teens, as a lot of lot of uh, young men and women can do, martial arts will give you that focus. It will give you that 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 discipline to. Mm -hmm. To learn about yourself, which I think is the, the the key point for me, as I tell the guys that I train now. So I think really primarily it was just that whole sort of movie um, inspiration of it. You know, I still look back at some of the Bruce Lee movies, and I, I still feel the same way that I did when I was seven years old watching it. Um, but it, it certainly led me down a, a fascinating path, really, that that uh, became a a whole sort of structure and a guide to my whole life, really. Yeah. So what kept you in it? Because you know how kids. Are. You know, I, I help teach kids classes and, you know, I've been around enough kids. I'm an uncle and, you know, there, um, I was very much like you. I got involved young and then I stuck with it. Um, but a lot of kids, you know, will try something and they move on and try something and move on, try something and move on. What was it about martial art or the particular arts you were doing that, that kept you in it through? You know the formative years where taste change, and you know you develop yeah, the things you like and the things you don't like, and that sort of thing. You know, you're so right because I think that, that you do go through these phases, don't you? Not not just as a child, but as an adult, where you can move kind of close to something and move further uh, th further away from it. Um, but you know what? I think that the truth of it is that I, I sometimes say that the kids don't quit; parents do. It's yeah. the, it's the parents that mm -hmm. will. Very often, like you know, I don't know what it's what, what it would be like here, but I always have this image in my head that you know there's some kid playing you know Xbox or, or PlayStation or whatever you know, always watching a, t a film, a movie, or 
and it's getting ready, time getting ready to go to class. And the parent goes to the bedroom and opens the door and says, are you, go are you going to class tonight, you know? Um, and if that answer comes back, if that answer comes back from the child, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Very often the parents will just accept that. Right. And I think where I was, where I was lucky in that way is that both of my parents saw the value of the classes that I was going to and the instructors that I had. Uh, my father was uh, a royalty protection officer, so he was close quarters security for the royal family. So he had a, uh, a military uh, background and a, and a police, a very uniformed and, and disciplined background. Uh, and I think that when I had, not that they ever made me do it, right? It's mm -hmm. like, you know, you can't, you know, you, you, can't, you can't make a child go to class. But certainly you can do your, your best as a parent to understand the value of it, the long-term value of it, uh, and encourage me to keep going. My, my dad moved around for his job too, so I used to have to maybe go and try another class and, and do a different style, which was a big part of it too. And there were classes that I came across that just didn't suit me. And I, instead of saying, well, that doesn't suit me, so I'll quit, my parents said, well, go and try this and go and try that. And obviously now, here I am in Los Angeles with you. And <laughs> right, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that they did, you know. Um, so, yeah. But you touched on something interesting there, and I'm, I'm wondering if you think there's a difference between uh, when it comes to kids and sticking with it and that sort of thing. The difference between what you've expressed and my experience was the same thing. I sought it out. You sought it out. Um, do you think there's a difference in the kids sticking with it if it's their idea as opposed to the parents bringing them in and saying, hey, I think you should do this martial art class? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's, I, I, you know, I do feel there's always kind of two relationships at work, isn't there? You know, when you're teaching children, you have your, the, the, the guru, the teacher, the sensei, the sifu, your, your relationship with the child, but then there's that relationship with, with the parents as well. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely different, like when you teach adults and when you teach children, mm -hmm. you know? Because the adults are always just, when you, when you go out into the middle of a mat and you say, we're all going to do this, they go, yeah, okay. They don't, there's, no, there's no questioning process of it, but... You know, kids aren't like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. they're, they're, they're designed to question what's going on. They're designed to question, you know, theories and principles, whether that be on an obvious way or just as a psychological or a subconscious way. And at certain ages, they're designed to question adults mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the opinions and the theories that the adults are, are giving them. So they're very, they're, so they're very questioned. And I think that you, if you walk into a room full of kids and you teach them like an adult, I don't think you, 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 you'd keep them. You have to have an energy with younger children. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to keep your inner child as an instructor on the mat. Mm -hmm. So if you go out and you try and teach a room full of, you know, eight-year-olds, like they're in their mid-thirties, it's just not gonna happen. So that's a really good thing that I found in teaching children is that it keeps your inner child um, awake and, and, and young. And obviously adaption as well, you know, fun-based activities for the kids mm -hmm. you know you, you need you need things that are going to work you need things that are going to be practical but you also need to be able to understand that you you have to make it in a play-like activity for, for children to keep their interest and one of the things that we use in my organization is a lot of secondary award system so we know uh, you know badges and, and and grades within belts and awards and games fun and games you know that um, that keeps their interest I mean any way you can keep a child in your class, right? Mm -hmm. For the benefit of that child in the future, has got to be a good thing, you know? Sooner or later, my guys, that they'll, they'll start when they're six or seven. Um, 
they'll get into their teens, like one particular man that we, we both know. Um, and you, you need to uh, you need to keep their interest. Um, so that worked they, out pretty well for him, it seems. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Paul McCarthy here, yes. uh, the British Ninja, <laughs> director um, of the UCLA martial arts program, which that's is probably right. one of the biggest martial art programs in the American university system. So yeah, that's right. yeah. And he's also the creator of Cog <laughs> Cognitive Kali. Cognitive Kali, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was he, when he he's a an, another example of it. I mean, Paul was Paul was fifteen um, when he when he came to, to my classes and he was just a, a teenage guy really and there's been a lots of other guys like that Lawrence Dunning is another one who's who's um, in the States as well is very prominent within BJJ and lots of people that come back I'm I'm flattered and honored to say many years later that get back in touch with me and say mm -hmm. you know thank you for getting me on my feet and keeping my interest and keeping me uh, you know focused on um, what I wanted to do it's a great responsibility to that you know I mean Paul is He's a very prominent guy over here, and he's a he's a wonderful uh, guy. It's great to get back in touch with him, and he's and he's obviously a great martial artist. And I kind of look back now to when he was 15 years old. I think, you know, thank God I got that one right. <laughs> I kept, kept his interest and 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 kept him um, you know kept him keen to learn, and that that's worked out pretty well. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, to this day, keep in touch with my first martial art instructor as well. Yeah. Uh, even though you know I don't do that art per se anymore. Um, started in Shorinru, but also kickboxing. So I still do kickboxing. Yeah. You know, maybe not exactly the same way that I did back in that time because that was yeah. you know a PKA yeah, right. type kickboxing back in those days, yeah. and you know it's evolved into there's knees and elbows and yeah, right. you know other things involved now. So yeah. but yeah, I mean to this day, um, when Sensei Owens uh, he he has business trips to California. Um, I'd say once, twice a year, we're, we're always um, get together. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to. I mean. Yeah, and and it's a huge responsibility that as as a martial arts teachers that we need to be aware of is that 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 influence that we have on people, whether it, we we be their first instructor or their second or their last instructor, but whatever influence we've got, it's it's huge. It goes on forever. You mm -hmm. know, it can be it oh, can yeah. be timeless because just the guys that taught me. You know, I'm now teaching others, and they're, you know, they're and they're, they're spreading out. They're all over the world, and it's a, it's a huge responsibility. You know, we have to conduct ourselves with, uh, with that in mind. I think that's important. Now, I remember talking to you before. You've got some very unique kids type of programs that you do. You want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, sure. I took. Yeah, no, no, no questions out of bounds. What we were talking about uh, just recently was that we, I, um, I do a number of other uh, other things uh, along with the tuition that I'm doing. So I've, I've been over here in at UCLA doing a seminar recently. Where I did uh, a course with uh, with Paul, uh, with, which was an active shooter course, and we were talking about the sort of uh, first aid and initial uh, medical response for people that perhaps had catastrophic bleeds which which I do in the UK and that that's that's very successful and it's working out very well um, but just as we talked about keeping the interest of younger people that were in the classes uh, we do a, I do a number of other things I do a, a junior combat medic which is where we actually teach children between the age of say seven it's about seven up to 11 or 12 and we teach them CPR oh, and wow. we teach them um, about recovery positions and just you know, basic, basic uh, first aid stuff that That's is important. Incredible. To have. Well, I mean, it gives them a sense of compassion. I mean, in different ways of, of helping, right? Not only helping, but saving a life. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I'm pleased to say that the in the in the UK now they're bringing first aid uh, into the school curriculum, which I, I'm not sure when that's coming in, but it's soon. 
and they're going to be teaching some of the basic stuff is very very important mm-hmm. um, to um, to make sure that people have got a basic grasp and we, we, we did it just just recently we, we, we put some posts up and we had some kids that were like we had two nine-year-old lads that literally uh, during a role play just flipped me over into the recovery position and they worked <laughs> they worked as a team to uh, to turn me over into recovery position so that's 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 important and I think that's an important skill to have but I think also it we were talking about earlier on Tim about about building in that value to parents so mm-hmm. the parents can see that it's an important thing for the child to be involved in and then when the parents see that you're doing that um, that's a value to them we, we just literally before I came away at, in my hometown I did a um, self-defense and play the way And this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Please consider supporting the program by going to patreon.com slash malmag and subscribing for access to the full-length podcasts. Again, that is www.patreon slash M-A-L-M-A-G. Thank you for listening to the episode with Ian Galdi. Next week, we have one of the coolest guys from MKG Detroit by the name of Kurt Cornwell. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at martialartslifestylemagazine.com. Music by Jack Al Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. (laughs) 